Hey, everybody, it's Tommy Canelli, and welcome back to Before the Lights podcast, the show to find out how those in sports, music, and entertainment made their mark. Joining us today is a bass player, lead singer, and part of an interactive band that has over 30 million in sales worldwide. They are full of vocal and musical energy, and he is the longest member of 41 years of the Little River Band. Members include keyboardist Chris Marion, lead guitarist Rich Herring, drummer Ryan Ricks, and on guitar, Colin Winnery. Glenn Fry said, the Little River Band is the best singing band in the world. They've recorded hit songs such as Reminiscing, Lonesome Loser, The Night Owls, Cool Change, and many others. Please welcome to the show, Wayne Nelson. Wayne, welcome to Before the Lights. Pleasure to be here. Good to talk to you. If someone told you back in 1980 that you were going to join a group and be with them for over 40 years, what would you have said? I would have said they're crazy. Uh, <laughs> at that point in the music business, uh, we had we had kind of moved on from that thought that you know bands were only going to last for two years, five years. I mean, bands were starting to get have longer ten years, but forty six years now for the band and forty one for me, uh, unheard of. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we started out, um, I was just speaking with a friend the other day who was a drummer in my first band. After two or three years, you were considered a sellout. Oh, you're just there for, you know, you're just there for the hits or you're, you know, you're not really progressing and so on and so forth. So to, to get to 41 years is um, is a crazy progression from that frame of mind, you know, when, when we were so young. You grew up in Rome, Illinois, a suburb of Peoria, Illinois. I'm from a small town in central Illinois myself called Streeter, which is about 45 minutes from Peoria. Absolutely. Know it well. You know Streeter. Uh, we, 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 my high school band was in Lockport. Uh, Rome, I, I moved to uh, the Joliet area uh, at the begin second year in high school. That's when the high school band started and we started working around. We played Streeter many times. And as a matter of fact, I think our, we may, I may have either played basketball or football against uh, the, the Streeter high school team at, at some point or other, but know it, know it well. Yeah. Your father was a drum major and mother was into classical music. I understand you are not allowed to watch the Beatles or Elvis. So how did you get introduced to music? Uh, I, I commandeered the, uh, the, the, the house hi-fi and I played it when my parents left. My parents <laughs> were both kind of workaholics and I was an only child. So there was a lot of time that I was in the house by myself and, um, I went out and I bought a Four Seasons record. I love the harmonies of the Four Seasons. I loved, uh, uh, I know his last name is Valley. I can't remember his first Frankie name. Frankie Valley. That's right. Um, but I also bought a Beach Boys record. And then the Beatles came along and just transformed my thoughts about uh, sounds. And so I got very, very much into British, uh, British music uh, and then R&B, so on and so forth. But I did it all when my folks were gone, they were, we were going to choir, we were going to local theater, we were going to, um, you know, see, see uh, movies about classical music and so on and so forth. And that, those things were all playing in the house. But when they left, I would put the, the four, I, they were under my bed, as a matter of fact, I would pull the, the two albums out and go play them and 
and uh, just absorb that when I, when I could. How did you start playing bass? A very interesting story. Uh, the because I stood next to my dad in the church choir I, and in front of the pipe organ, we were at a cathedral. Mm. Bottom end and bass and and low end was that's where I was hearing music from. And um, when I found out that some friends were going to form a band, I basically said, "I can sing. Do you need somebody that can sing?" Well, that all bands need somebody that can sing. So. I was instantly added to the garage band, but there were, there was a bass player. There was a drummer. There was a, a guy who had a, the family organ. And then there was a guitar player. Um, but the bass player was actually a saxophone player. So he wasn't, he wasn't tuned into bass like I was. And I would go to him and I say, no, the notes on this temptation song, it's, it's a different note than what you're playing. And Slowly but surely, the drummer caught on to this and he went, look, if you're able to sing and play at the same time, uh, go learn how to do it because we'll, you know, we can make more money as a four piece. It was very much a financial uh, uh, situation. But he also knew, I think intuitively, that I was actually going to be a bass player, not a converted from some other instrument. And I ended up playing bass in the band and, and, um, we were we were out doing our first shows within two three weeks. Was that uh, the band in Chicago, Koala? No, w- w- long before Koala, um, it was a band called. We started out as the Unknowns, which was very prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> we never overcame that, but um, uh, right, we found out there was another band called the Unknowns in Illinois, so we changed it to the Sound Investment which was kind of a play on words and corporate kind of a thing that we were looking for, looking for work. And so that band was my first band and went from 66 to 70. Koala came quite a bit later after uh, leaving college and moving into Chicago to start bouncing from one band to the other. But um, Koala was, as a matter of fact, the last band in that area before I moved to LA. So that the, you got bookends there. Sound investment was first. Koala was was last that quite a progression of, of different styles and stuff, but um, koala being prophetic as well, because of course, here's a Chicago band named after an Australian animal. And I end up working with Australian animals. <laughs> Later on, <laughs> I love the way you put that. They won't, but thank you. <laughs> In 1978, you moved to LA and you worked separately with Kenny Loggins. And then you're with Jim Messina's band, how did you get hooked up with Jim Messina's band? It, actually, the timeline was that Jim Jim's band came first. Um, a okay. friend, a friend who had gone to LA approximately the same time I did, nineteen seventy eight. Um, he was he was doing things by the book, and I was doing things by the seat of my pants, uh, which I had always done. He was going to the union and looking for work in LA. And one day he was there, and he saw a card saying Jim Messina is looking for a percussionist and a bass player. Um, Jeff never went up to, to do the audition with, with Messina, but he called me and said, I know you like Jim Messina and long as a Messina, why don't you, you know, he's looking. So I called him and he was furious because Messina didn't, he claims he didn't put the card on the wall. He said, I would never have put a card at the musicians union looking for band members. And I said, 
I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to bother you, but I'm a fan. I, I, you know, I was answering this on behalf of a friend who saw the card. I'm very sorry. Um, he said, I've, I've got to go. I've got to call the union and I've got to make them take that down right away. Boom, click. And I was, okay, well, there went my shot with, uh, you know, with a headliner. And he called me back about maybe an hour later. I was shocked. He called me back. He said, I'm sorry, but I wanted to re rectify that. Now, do you want to come up to Santa Barbara and, and, and check this job out and, 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 and we can meet and talk and so on and so forth. I said, of course I do. I'm, I'm a huge fan and I know the music and I would be able to play your music in the set tomorrow. Um, he said, well, come on up. And so the next day I drove to Santa Barbara and we basically played for about 15 minutes. We went and had lunch and he said, you've got the job. Mm. And I, I, because he also told me I have been trying bass players for over a year. And a lot of what I want is a, a good fit in terms of personality. And I'm very glad that you're not from the LA, uh, style or the LA, you know, uh, group of, of, of people, that mindset. I came from the Midwest. He said, I really appreciate where you're coming from and um, let's give this a try. So that that's the way that all happened. And then Wayne, how did you get invited then to join Little River Band, which was an Australian band at the time from in 1981? The first, well, the first and only touring we did after we finished Jim's first solo record, which was called Oasis. Kenny had already gone solo and was very successful with Celebrate Me Home. Jim was following up with that, with his unique Tex-Mex kind of Latin pop thing. Mm -hmm. Long before that had become a thing, he was going to do it, you know, as him. Uh, and we opened for two weeks for Little River Band. They were creating the second half of their Backstage Pass album, which was live in America. And they wanted a consistent setup every day, a uh, consistent opener and a routine that was not interrupted so that they could be ready to record every night. Um, I, I was learning a lesson at that point, just watching them do what they did with regard to that recording. But um, the at the end of the two weeks, I've, I've, I discovered their bass player was a fill in because their permanent player had quit just prior to this tour. And so the, the guy that was on stage with them was a studio player. He didn't sing. He was a very good player, but he wasn't the person they were looking for as a permanent possibility. And the last night of the show, the last night of the tour, um, as, it, as it happened, I went one way with my gear because it was the end. We were going home. And I got, in, got off stage and went into a stairwell at this venue. And there were two guys from Little River Band. And they said, we've been watching you play and sing uh, every night. And we'd like to find out, would you be interested in coming to Australia to rehearse, tour, possibly record, possibly be a band member if all of those, audition, if all of those steps are, are satisfactory? And I said, no, I'm very happy with the band I'm in. We're going to record our music. You haven't even heard our music yet. I'm very loyal to this situation. And um, uh, we're going into the next phase of this whole plan. And uh, they said, well, you know, if, if something happens and you change your mind, call us. Here's a number, call the office, whatever. And again, I thought, well, of course, they're not 
they'll move on and they'll find somebody else in Australia. There are plenty of great bass players uh, in their home country. Um, but the whole Messina thing and the whole original music thing fell apart about two months later. And I called and I said, it's me. And it happened to be a guy from the crew that I knew. And the guy said, I'll tell the guys, I'll tell the boys, and we're not going to do anything until April. That was going to be two, three months uh, in the future. Okay. And I hung up going once again. Yeah, sure. They're going to call me back. No, no problem. So move on with life and, 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 uh, gigs with the band. Sure enough, uh, late March, I get a call saying, this is where we're going to go. You need to be in Australia, April 15th to rehearse or whatever. I'm like, I can't believe I've got two situations where I've been in the right place at the right time. And they call back, which is rare. In, in, well, in music business stories, those, those, that luck uh, is, needs to be honored. I mean, I, I'm, you know, thank God for, uh, for, for, for good luck in the music business, but that's the progression of how I got to uh, go to little, go to Australia in 1980 and, and join the band. Wayne, do you know where the name of the band Little River Band came from? I do. Um, Little River Band was an assembled band. Uh, in Australian terms, you if, I don't know this for sure, but to my knowledge, Australia was one of what you would call a super group. Um, the three singers had been successful in other bands. They were two of them were working together along with a drummer. And those four people were gathered together by another successful musician who was now in management and was, was working the, the industry from that angle. Um, and uh, the, the manager said, I bet this could work and we could conquer American radio with good vocals and good songwriting and so on and so forth. So those four people, the three singers and the drummer became the core of Little River Band in 1975. After rehearsing and getting two more players, they were on their way to their first show and they still didn't have a name. And they passed a town called Little River in Australia. And one of them said, hey, let's tonight, let's just be Little River Band. They were working not too far away and Little River Band stuck. They were never able to get something they were happier with and so on and so forth. So Little River Band became this unique name uh, for these guys and they continued on and, and, and fulfilled the business plan. They did write great songs. They did get played on American radio with great vocals and, and all of that came true in, you know, in, in following years. You were the lead singer on the track, The Night Owls, and you talked about being at the right place at the right time twice. But was this your breakout moment for you personally? Without a doubt. Um, and that would be uh, example number three of right place, right time. Because what I didn't know is that this assembled band, at first they saw eye to eye, they they all pulled the wagon in the same direction, if you will. As they grew in terms of success and the people that had been added to that, that foursome, there was another songwriter that got added to the foursome who also had a hit. So now you've got four songwriters that had been involved in writing hit songs and they start to fragment because I know better. We need to go in this direction. 
No, we're going to go in this direction. No, this is what we got to do. And along comes this new guy from America. And each one of these songwriters gets in my ear going, mate, we need to do, we need to do this. We need to go in this direction. Got to toughen up a little bit. Mate, we need to stay over here in this lane and, and do what, you know, mate, I don't want to listen to any of the, you know, it was like, I was just like spinning in this political thing. One of the aspects of it was one of the major songwriters was not really thrilled with the lead singers interpretations they didn't have the same lifestyle. They didn't see eye to eye on many things. And the lead singer lived in Sydney. Everybody else lived in Melbourne. So there was a political aspect to fi finding a person who sang and played bass to come in and be a different interpretation. And so at a rehearsal to get ready for time exposure, Montserrat recording, Night Owls comes into rehearsal. And I always figured I was a placeholder, but it was in my range. It was perfect for me to do. And Graham said, while we're waiting for Glenn to come down to rehearsal, because he didn't like rehearsals. He doesn't play, didn't play an instrument. He wanted, he, he, did, he felt like he wasn't, he was, a, he was a fly on the wall. He was just sitting around waiting for us to get our act together so that he could contribute mm -hmm. his lead vocals. So therefore I'm holding the place marker for Glenn by singing lead on this song as we practice it. We're going to put it in the set. Glenn shows up. He does learn the song a little bit, but we ended up doing it a split vocal on live because he was kind of not really all together with the song when we went out to work. By the time we get to Montserrat, George Martin decides, I want Glenn to sing everything, but I want Wayne to sing the two songs that Graham wants him to sing, which was Night Owls and Take It Easy on Me. I loved them both. I sang them both. And you talk about right place, right time. I'm in a studio with George Martin with Little River Band, who's on a roll of two platinum albums. And the first single it comes becomes very obvious is going to be Night Owls. And it's the first time I've ever sung lead vocal in the studio in my life. All those things are like converging. So that's the long story of how that all happened. And then we come out of the studio, there's a political uproar about it because the lead singer's going, the new guy's singing the first two songs on the radio. <laughs> well, that, that can't stand. So he re-sang Take It Easy On Me, but Night Owls is now top five. So all of that stuff just was on this snowball rolling downhill of, wow, what is happening, you know, to this guy who's, not really even a full-fledged member of the band yet. He's still, he's still trying to make, you know, prove himself in all these different arenas. And we finally get past the recording and the live performance of Night Owls. And it's, it's obvious that it's all working out. And, and, but that, that, that is the, uh, that's the, that's the true progression of how it went from new guys going to be a place marker at rehearsal to, George picks the, and Capitol picks the Night Owls as the first single. You mentioned in the 70s and 80s, there were multi-platinum albums. You guys have songs such as Reminiscing, Lonesome Loser, Take It Easy On Me, Cool Change, The Night Owls, which we spoke about, Help Is On The Way, Man On Your Mind, The Other Guy, It's A Long Way There, and Lady. Do fans forget about all the hits that Liver River Band has? They do. I mean, 
Uber fans don't, of course. They're, they're correct. They know their favorites, and they 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 know to expect the full range of of songs. Um, there's actually another one too that didn't climb quite as high as those, and was a, a victim of um, uh, political situation with Capitol Records. But we too was also pretty well known by, especially by people that knew Little River Band, because it introduced another lead singer, uh, because Glenn Shorick decided to leave the band and was 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 forced out. Um, people who come, at, we, we've started doing this recently. We're in our 46th year. The band is in its 46th year. Um, and I want to be very clear. Little River Band is in its 46th year. I'm in the 41st year um, of, of my career with the band. But as we hit 40 years, I decided, 45, sorry, I decided we've been doing this a long time. I'm just going to ask a question at the front of the show after playing a couple of songs. How many people are here for the first time to see Little River Band live? I expected 30%, 40%. Every single night since then, including now that we're back on the road and COVID is in the rearview mirror, we're getting 80%. 85% are there for the first time to see Little River Band live after all these years, wow. which says two things to me. There's a whole lot of work still to be done. And this is a huge country. And we may not have been in a place where people could get to see the band back when we were touring and playing arenas. We're playing smaller venues now, but they're still very awesome venues holding two, three, four thousand people. Sometimes a civic thing with with five, six, ten, maybe great venues and great shows, but these people we're getting where they are. We're taking the bus where they are, as opposed to expecting them to drive to Atlanta and stay overnight and, or Chicago or, you know, the big, the, the big, the metropolitan areas. Um, those people are being blown away because they're coming to hear maybe one of the top four or five that you mentioned uh, in terms of airplay Reminiscing, Night Owls, Lady and Lonesome Loser are the ones that have had the most airplay. Cool Change is a huge emotional favorite. Happy Anniversary, everybody knows that that they they, they know that chord. These things stick with them, but they don't remember that Little River Band did them. So as we're doing the show, you see people go, "I know that I song." That song, yeah. Get to the end. We'll get to the end and say, thank you very much. And people are going, yay, yay. Is there more? And we'll come back and we'll do Lady. And they'll go, I didn't know they did that song. You know, they know the song, but FM radio wasn't back announcing things like they should have been. And we get confused with America, Player, Ambrosia, uh, Orleans. It's all that melodic rock and roll stuff that is stuck to people and, and they love it. And it's the same thing every night that people are, are, are blown away by the, the, the scope of, of how many songs we had. I would guess one of the songs that they don't realize you guys did, which is a very popular song, is The Other Guy. They probably don't know the name of the song. They hear it. They go, I know that song. Yep. They know the chorus. Well, they know the chorus and the groove instantly. And, and I will tell you, um, th- because we've got five singers and three of them for sure are lead vocalists. Um, the keyboard player could be, but his range isn't quite the same. It's a, it's a different thing, but we've got three people out front who are singing lead vocals. And when we do the song, I back away 
and jump up on the back riser. And then the groove starts and people, you can hear them. Wow. We haven't heard this for a long time, but who's going to sing it? And then the two other guitar players sing the song and it, they, they split it up. We've always been known for that. Um, diversity there's always been different things happening different combinations of voices and we've still you know i've been adamant about maintaining that as much as we could and so yeah you're right the other guy is one of those other songs because it came about in 1983 our strong run was 77 to 82 that's when we had the six top tens in a row well, other guys snuck in there, but it snuck in there kind of at the end and things were changing, different lead singer, different sound. So that one's a surprise and, and a good call on your part because they it is well known, but a surprise that it came from the band, from us. I would guess my listeners are going to be surprised by this as well. In 1982, Little River Band set a record by having top 10 hits in six consecutive years. The first band to do so. And when you think about it, not the Beatles, not the Eagles, not Fleetwood Mac, but Little River Band. What's that mean to you, Wayne? It's huge. Um, and I'll, I'm going to go one further in a second. Um, but it's, it's huge. When we, we had no idea. And when we, that, that Rick, that, that that was a thing. Uh, but when it happened and when we found out, we're looking at continue on Beatles, Stones, who Michael. Yeah. What? Uh, Motown. Somebody didn't do that at Motown in, in that run of, run of temptations and four tops and, and Supremes and so on and so forth. Um, Elvis didn't do that. There's another one. The Hollies. I mean, on and on and on. We're, 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 we were the Eagles. What? The Eagles like had more top ones than anybody in the world yeah. during our, our, tenure but nobody got top 10 six years in a row and it was probably you know there's that sophomore record and then you take two years off and you might have had a great string of releases but little river band's work ethic was amazing i mean they turned out an album per year or at least two singles off an album per year for six years in a row and song number seven should have been Man on Your Mind. Year number seven should have been Man on Your Mind. But that was when the politics forced the lead singer out of the band. He wrote Man on Your Mind. Mm. And he wanted a year off. And I was like, what are we doing here? Uh, your song's going to be next. It could, you know. Anyway, that's that's the way the dice roll. And, and that's what happened. But um to get back to that six years in a row, we were all humbled by holding that record. I know it's been beaten now by multiple charts, multiple acts, uh, country, blah, blah, blah. It, that, that is a, it's a great stat, but it's one that, you know, probably disappeared about five, six years later because somebody else did it or, or whatever. But, um, to be the first first band to do it, uh, it's a little known thing, and it's it's pretty amazing, very amazing. And by the way, to have been part of it, to have been involved in the in the in year five and six 
uh, is also phenomenal as a as as a personal uh, a personal to have been part of a team that did that feel, feels good as a player. The new guy, you know, was was there for those two. So. <laughs> the band no longer has any original members, but how many different lineups have you played with in your over forty plus years with the band? All but one. I didn't play with the very first lineup and I didn't play with the second bass player, of course, but, okay. um, uh, I've played with all of them. I, I take that back there. My family suffered through a, a personal tragedy and I had to choose and I chose not to travel and stay home for a certain amount of time. There was another bass player that played then. And, uh, uh, in that transition, I think there were, there was one lineup that I wasn't part of just cause I wasn't, I had actually left the band and then was asked to come back. But, um, uh, I saw the, I saw the revolving door start to spin every year. Mm. Um, after Montserrat, after time exposure. And once that record was done, a person was fired in 1980 81, sorry. A person was fired in 1982. Another one left in 83. Another one left in 84. (laughs) And then came the replacements. And in varying ways, a couple guys came back. A couple back, they lasted for a few years. They left. We had, we started to add Americans to tour with us um, just because all of our work was over here. So again, since 80, I've seen that door turn 20 times. Wow. And been there for 20 different people deciding to go or to, deciding to come in. I, I That's a guess, but I'm going to, as a matter of fact, I'm going to sit down and add that up when we're, <laughs> when we're finished here. Cause that's a, that's a good question. But the main core, when we were there always was the person that came in, we wanted the person to bring something new and we wanted the person hopefully to be able to sing. Sometimes we, that wasn't a priority because we had three vocalists and we were covered, but the bringing something new to the band has always been a priority. And it's been my priority that we weren't just being robots. They didn't ask me to be a robot. There's certain notes, there's certain feels that you you do things the way the song was, so you don't screw it up, but they never asked me not to try something new. Uh, And everybody that came in to me, that's the part that has kept this band fresh is the personality is always brought in so that they can be themselves, be comfortable on stage, and then create an environment that something new gets added mm-hmm. to the picture. And I, I, that's, to me, creativity and uh, part of a, a, the, the, the musical adventure. Some people didn't agree with that. Some people wanted things, this is what it was, this is what it's got to stay. And eventually they left. Well, if we'd have stayed with your idea, we'd have never been able to progress past what you we're espousing that it had to be this. It had to stay there. Um, somebody said it to me, art needs to grow. And if art doesn't grow, it's um, it, it, it dies. It can't breathe. And I, I totally adhere to that. So I've seen that, I've seen that door spin, but I'm, I don't fear it anymore or, or even worry about it. If the door has to spin again, there will be another person that can come and do what needs to be done to keep Little River Band's music 
out there and, and, and feeling good. Wayne was so much different lineups over the years and all the things that have changed. How do you keep the history of the band alive? As it's been passed on, if you will, uh, I'm, I'm the thread to get back to those guys. I'm the last person on the stage that worked with those people. So I've never thought about it this way, but the history of the band is being carried by, by what we do. I've, I've always asked people to respect it, which they do. The, no, no musician comes wanting to be part of the band without knowing the history and respecting it. Um, so it's not like it's been, we sit down and we, we, we chart it out and here's mm-hmm. what you got to do that kind of thing. It's, 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 it's a, it's a given that people are going to be there and understand that we carry the history of the band, but the history of the band's looking over our shoulder every night, every time we're in the studio, every time we sing, when I talk to you, um, it's there. It's 46 years strong and it's there. And the music has stood that, that test of time. So if somebody were to stray, there are people that have strayed, especially on our crew. Uh, oh, I, you, you know, you shouldn't be doing this that way anymore, whatever. Well, sorry, but we do. Mm-hmm. And if you can't live with that and do your job the way you're supposed to and not have an attitude about it every day, then we're going to have to ask you to get off the bus and we'll find somebody <laughs> else that can't. Uh, that has happened. In terms of music, mostly it's a family or a travel or an issue of the drudgery of the business that causes somebody to leave. Um, and, I, and I will say that this lineup that we're in right now, we have people in this lineup that have been in the band for 15 and 16 years. That's longer than some of the founding members were in the band. And people expect to see them on, expect to see us now on stage, not thinking, who are they? We have fans coming to watch this band perform these songs. That's been a growing thing and and really heartening for me because it means that this is working. People are hearing this music and they're hearing it and going, sounds great. The band sounds great. This, that you, you took me back to 1980, whatever. And, and uh, my memories are intact and I had a great night. So on and so forth. That's, that's the ultimate goal of keeping the history there but uh, delivering it with energy mm. and with style that is that 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 is ours. It's very important for us as a, for, to you know to have that identity. I said in the opening, you guys are very interactive. You have a lot of musical energy on stage. Where did the idea come from to take photos of your audience and then place them on Little River Band's Facebook page? So they can see themselves at the concert. It's a cool concept. Uh, I'm, it, it, it's my idea to do it for Little River Band and to do it in that scope. Because as Facebook took such a, a huge part of, of everyone's marketing efforts, if you will. There was a time when Facebook took over from MySpace and you just had to, you had to roll with it. You had to, you had to be there. Um, but the first time I saw somebody do it, we were working with the Eagles. And Tim Schmidt, who was now the, the, 
the newish, if you will, bass player uh, after Randy Meisner and off the band, Tim Schmidt came out with a little, you remember the little pocket cameras? Yeah. The little $2 cameras yep. you get at any drugstore, whatever, snap. And, and, you know, and he, he would do it as he was walking to his position. He would just stop. Oh, snap. Cause he was new and he was going to take pictures of these arenas and so on and so forth. Um, I saw him do it. When Facebook took over, I went, I want to do this. I'm going to take the picture of the crowd and have them see what we see all the way around. And then it'll draw them to Facebook to see themselves. And it's a treat that way. We'll hear what they think and they'll be able to see themselves. And it's just stuck. People love it. I love it. I love, I love that interaction with the people that they know that we're, we don't take ourselves so seriously that we're just going to walk off stage and leave the stage. This is an interactive, like you say, it's an interactive thing. And that, that simple idea has just stuck with us. And, and I, I truly enjoy it. I've, I've, I've broken four cameras because <laughs> I love to, at the end, when, when I'm done, I love to take the camera and throw it to our crew. Oh, they don't always the catch it. Part, they're 99%, <laughs> but that one time they drop that camera, it's over. You got to start over again. So, but anyway, that's uh that's just a fun thing that crowd gasps. So what is he doing? But um, crew loves it. It's, it's just good fun. And it is good fun. That's, that's, that's what it's really all about. So, I got to thank Timmy for taking those little snapshots and go. He had to go develop that film, whatever that film was. But um, we got it. We're digital now, so we can put it straight on the Internet as soon as we're done that night. You guys have so many songs in your catalog, it, not just the ones we talked about, but there's so many more even in the 2000s. And we could be here for an hour to go through the list of songs that you guys have. I'm going to tell my audience, please go to my show notes. I'm going to put a link. You should check out some of the other LPs like Cuts Like a Diamond. There's two songs on there, The Lost and Lonely and I'm an Island that are really good. And then if you're just a fan of the hits, well, then in 2020, there's an album called Black Tie. It's the greatest hits that were done with an orchestra. It was recorded at three concerts in 2018 and four in 2019. Wayne, this is a really good and unique idea to re-record the greatest hits with an orchestra. I agree. Um and there's a there's a great story that goes along with that. Um, it had been done once before. Little River Band has worked with orchestra before, but it was a long time ago. Uh, that double album I talked about, Backstage Pass. Yeah. The first the first album of that is LRB with the Adelaide Symphony in 1979. So this isn't new ground for Little River Band, but it's just been a long time since it happened. Um, and the second time was an HBO special that came out in 1983, I think. Um, but nobody ever saw the orchestra. We played with the Melbourne Symphony for 45 minutes, then left the stage, came back and did the rock and roll part. Um, and that's what HBO focused on back when they were doing all their things. So there's this incredible footage, or the incredible music that was recorded that night with the Melbourne Symphony, but it'll never see the light of day. Uh, I don't know whether it, was multi-tracked or mixed or, or what happened to it. It's a long time ago, but HBO didn't want to know about it. They, they, they chose the back half of the show and created a great product, but fast forward to, I'm on the phone with, with a, a friend of mine who plays drums with Kansas. His name is Phil Ehart. And he said, I got to go. Um, I've got to go rehearse with the orchestra. 
sound check. And I said, he said back to me, hey, Little River Band's music would sound great with an orchestra. I said, you're right. Send me the person who did your charts. Because we're all pop musicians. We're not, you know, we're not writing music for cello and strings mm-hmm. and oboes and whatever. Send me the guy that did your charts. And, and um, I went to the bus and I said, Phil just gave me a great idea. Let's get some charts made for the band. Who Do you know anybody? If not, I got this name. And my keyboard player, our keyboard player said, why would we go get somebody else? I'll do it. I went, what do you mean you'll do it? He said, yeah, I studied orchestration in college. That's what I went to school for. I can do this. And I can use some of what's already been done because, you know, there's strings in Long Way There. There's string parts in played by synthesizers in other songs. I'll lift all of those and I'll, I'll use music that's there already, but we'll flush out a full chart for for most of the songs in the set that makes sense. He went away and locked himself down for a month and he did exactly that. He pulled what he could and he flushed, flushed out full arrangements. And um, lo and behold, we go on stage with a 62 piece orchestra in Augusta, Georgia. And all of this is suddenly happening. And it's a magnificent feeling for us to be working with that caliber of musician And those musicians are stuck to the paper. They have to read this chart while we're playing it from memory. They're reading it. And every once in a while, they'll look up and they'll see us looking at them where a part comes up where the band plays the part with the orchestra. And they go, wow, check this out. The (laughs) rock guys are playing this part with us. And all of a sudden, there's this synergy between orchestra and band Well, when we felt it and heard it, we knew that this had to be recorded. And we went through the process of multi-tracking multiple nights. We chose the the best orchestra nights matched with the best band nights, which took a long time to listen to that music and, and go, that night is probably just marginally better and different than this night. And the crowd was digging it and into it and so on and so forth. And... I appreciate your review. Uh, I totally agree. Our, but And by the way, it was all in-house because Rich Herring, our guitar player, is also a producer with a great studio. And he tackled the mix of pulling all those orchestral players together with the rock and the vocals. There's a whole lot of stuff going on on that record. I mean, you can listen to that thing five times, and I still do. I still hear things that happen in the orchestra back in the background that I go, I'm learning something new every night, every every time I listen to the record. But fans will get um, a lot of joy out of hearing those arrangements elevated to a black tie uh, level, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a classy... Um, it's a classy, different look at, at, at the songs. Listeners, I urge you to go see Little River Band. Go to littleriverband.com. If you think they just play a few events a year, their upcoming tour is close to 100 dates across the year. I mean, you guys have to be one of the most touring bands in the country. We might be, we might be one of the... We might have the, uh, a higher number of shows than bands from our uh, vintage, and I get why. It's not easy. 
we choose to travel by bus to do those shows so that we don't have to sit in an airport for uh, or, or worry about flights being canceled and so on and so forth. So we pull up with a bus and our, our compadres from, from that era go, you're still traveling on a bus. And we look at them and go, you're still sitting in an airport. (laughs) We've got a bunk, you know, driving, riding a bus means we get to rest for, for eight, nine hours. But um, that's an aside The, the, but the people that are the, the biggest road warriors of all are country acts that are in that just about to get there. Mm level yep we know we know or, or have been there and now still want to tour and and whatever but they're they're they need to work more shows to support their crew and so on and so forth we know people that are doing well over 200 shows a year wow uh because the drives are shorter they come back to nashville they they do it the way we do it we're we're weekend warriors as well and everybody's hubbed in nashville except for myself and and our keyboard player so we fly to nashville get on the bus and we go where we go or the bus comes to get us um but given the people that i said the ambrosias orleans players and 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 other bands of that era we do work a lot and the, the bus is a huge part of it, but the the uh, the joy is the other part of it. It's just such a such a joy to still be able to work a hundred shows a year or ninety shows a year, whatever it is, and physically do the show and have this great team that is not only doing that but still creating new music. Uh, I, I appreciate the shout out for Cuts Like a Diamond. If you go back to two thousand, there's three more CDs in that run, including a Christmas CD and two with great songs on it. And if you go all the way back to 1975, there's music that little river band has done. I call it the vault. It's an amazing catalog of songs. I wish there was a way to do even 20% of it in a show, but people be there for five hours. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know if the throat would last. Right. But, um, but it is a it's a it's a great leg- legacy to uh, to be part of. Wayne, when you decide that you're no longer going to tour and sing and be part of Little River Band, how do you want to be remembered? I, I want to be remembered for not taking this blessing for granted. Um, there's a lot of singers. There's a lot of bass. But there's a lot of musicians, and and the 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 good luck and the, 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 the goodwill of the music having lasted this long, all of those things are, um, you're part of it, but it's out of your reach. There's, 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 there's so many aspects that determine success or success or whatever, but if your heart's in it and, and the, and the music is, is coming from there, what this has done for me Again, I, I hearken back to what happened to my family. I came out of that wanting to give back any way I could. Uh, personally, emotionally, and when Little River Band continued on, it became a perfect vehicle to thank people, to say, we, we we never take an audience for granted. We never take an opportunity for granted to give back and try to help people 
raise money, raise awareness. And my, in, in water terms, uh, all boats rise. If everybody is doing something to lift humanity, all boats rise. Uh, it may be a big boat and it may be a little boat, but it's still going to rise. It's still going to go up because we're doing something positive. And that's, that's my philosophy. And I get to use little river band to help do that. Um, we're taking on a new thing this year with an actual person that we're going to add to our entourage. Um, she's not going to travel with us, but she's going to be scoping out things that we can do. Uh, for instance, in the shadow of a venue we're going to play in Texas uh, in a few weeks is a food bank. And it's a famous food bank in this town because two big industries left them. And this food bank is literally life and death for a lot of families we're two blocks from the venue. We're going to go hand out food. We're going to talk about them at the show. We're going to put, we're calling it the bucket brigade. We're going to put a bucket on the merch table. And if you don't have money to buy a shirt, drop 50 cents in the bucket because your 50 cents is going to buy somebody a meal tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that we can do with total involvement and, 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 and heart to say, Let's let's make all boats rise and, and, and let's let's do everything we can. And it's 50 cents. It's a buck. I mean, everybody can afford a buck. You put 2000 people together in a room that put in a buck. You've fed you've fed people for almost two months from this food bank. Let's do this. And that's 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 what I want to be remembered for keeping Little River Band in that space. Uh the energy and the, and the back and forth with crowds and whatever, that's all, that's all amazing and fun and people's memories and whatever. But if we couple that with, with lifting humanity together, uh, that's, I, I, I will feel that I found a spot to give back. That's, that's what I want to be remembered for. I wish you guys nothing but success. I hope that goes well. I hope to get out and see you guys live one day as well. And I want to thank you, Wayne, for being on Before the Lights and sharing some stories and talking about the band. This has been enlightening. Thank you. And thanks for the great questions. Uh, you've you've scraped the <laughs> scraped the walls of the memory banks in here for some for some good stuff. So I appreciate it. Good you, talk to you. You are welcome. Listeners, if you would, please follow or subscribe before the lights anywhere podcast are found. Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. You can follow us on Instagram at Before the Lights Podcast. Thank you for listening to Before the Lights. I'm Tommy Canale. And until next time, everybody. I salute a chin chin. <laughs>